and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 492. Woohoo! A Dark Crisis middle issue. I'm sure there'll be so much information revealed in this issue. I cannot wait to get to it. Whoa there, Chad. Calm <laughs> down. We don't need, if you lead with that much energy, you're not going to have anything left to get to the end of the podcast. Just settle, <laughs> settle down. Jeez, how do you, how do you wrangle him in every week, Mark? Oh my uh, God, he's like a five-year-old. You know, you know, for, for an issue which has like half, like half a page of action, at least, at least as far as the information they give us, this issue really isn't that horrible. <laughs> but let's, but let's, let's uh, Dan wrap it up first and then we'll discuss. Go we, already it, st- we already we just started and we're like all right let's wrap this up <laughs> i know i realized it was an appro- in a, a really inappropriate choice of words or it may turn out to be appropriate <laughs> well let's find out so dark crisis on infinite earths number four written by joshua williamson with art by daniel semper colors by a alejandro sanchez and letters by tom napolitano uh barry finds hal ringless in john stewart's fantasy prison and explains that the justice league of earth zero have always been a nexus for multiversal energy so pariah is using these fantasy worlds to trap them long enough to harvest that energy for his own purposes uh the two of them race off to try and free batman so he can help them plan their next move back on earth the JSA and the remaining Titans have rallied to support John Kent's makeshift Justice League and are working together to save people across the, the globe from villains and natural disasters. The fall of Titans Tower was meant to break the hero's spirit, and it takes a pep talk from Alan Scott to pull Dick Grayson back into the light. Because if the world is going to be saved by legacy heroes, then they should be led by the first one. Alan takes Dick, Yara, and John Kent deep below the Hall of Justice to the headquarters of the Justice League Dark, where magic users have been gathering and preparing. There they, fa- there they find both Swamp Things, Alec Holland and Levi Kamei, who believe that everything that's been happening on Earth is uncharacteristic of the Great Darkness. Since it's a force beyond the concept of good and evil and doesn't want or need anything. So the fact that it's been controlling villains to attack heroes seems odd and wrong. Like something else has corrupted the great darkness. While that's going on, Black Adam went to see the Legion of Doom because he believes the heroes will never be ready to do what's necessary to defeat Pariah's dark army. So the villains are the world's last hope. But before they can come to an agreement, Deathstroke and his army of villains attack the Hall of Doom just like they did to Titan's Tower. This time, dark energy erupts from Deathstroke's forces, enveloping the entire Legion of Doom, giving Pariah what he needs, and 
While Kyle and Joe try to fight their way through an army of shadow demons, Pariah reaches his hand through the black vortex and creates a new multiverse. Nice job. Yay. I win the episode. It's a summer event metal issue. But okay, let's let let's discuss. <laughs> there were there were some good little nuggets in here. Like I'm not, I, I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying that. No, you know, you're right. There's nothing of yeah. there. There's nothing of by itself. There's nothing of earth-shattering interest or importance or just in a vacuum in this issue. I mean, it's relatively action-free, other than the the villain versus villain fight. And you can make a case on the surface some of the stuff, even though I guess we're supposed to believe based on the some of the covers that were released today that maybe Nightwing has more importance in this than by the time we get to the final issue than we would suspect. But I do think that as far as some of the, some of the information that we get, or at least things to make us, to make us think about ideas to make us ponder here. First of all, now, now don't get me wrong. I don't think in a million years they're going to do this, but if you want to make a case that they're trying to make a case that they're, that if you want to build an argument, that the great darkness is like corrupted by parallax. You can make a really good case based on this issue. <laughs> by parallax? Yeah, very easily. Why? What? Are you being serious? Yeah. Well, first of but all, no. you have the pa- you have the parallax reference in the beginning when you're talking about when John when the throwaway moment of Hal dealing with John Stewart, and which is all which we could talk about by itself, the fact that on John's dream world that he would see hal as parallax that why would he naturally see hal as parallax and that's kind of an odd dynamic but so they started so that's kind of like that's one direct parallax reference then you have when the, the swamp things are talking about how the great darkness is not you know it's not good it's not evil so this seems like it was corrupted we know that was the magic word that was used when uh when rebirth came along that that parallax corrupts you then you see on the next page, it's kind of like yellow. That text block is in yellow, and you see Sinestro. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do this, because I would be willing to bet you they're not going to do it. But the thought crossed my mind is like, well, we haven't seen the par- – now, the question would be who – put who? I don't think it'd be Parallax on his own. Somebody would have had to have decided, hey, I'm going to put the Parallax entity into the great darkness and, and corrupt him for whatever reason. But I think you could make a – it wouldn't be the most illogical connecting of dots to say, well, you can make a case that because they're implying that the great darkness was corrupted or has is is currently being corrupted because he's doing ungreat darkness like things. And he's unaware that he's being corrupted, which would make sense if you were the classic way being possessed by parallax that you wouldn't necessarily the way Hal was. You would never know that you were. And just but just so I just thought the idea, you know, the idea that the great darkness was being corrupted which also mind you plays into potentially when we talked about why we thought why would pariah be stupid enough to think that he that he would be able to control the great darkness or why well maybe the maybe if he's working with something or someone else maybe that's why he's so cocky that he can control them because he already knows that the great darkness is being has been corrupted that the great darkness is all is already kind of being manipulated even without the great darkness on the surface understanding that it's being manipulated but. mark i think if your theory was any more wrong your name would be jim ford so <laughs> <laughs> at this point like i'm trying to decide like okay how is it that the series has a secret true big bad that's holding back 
or do we already know basically everything and the heroes on earth are just trying to catch up to the reader? Like, cause like when the way the swamp things talk about the great darkness and how like, like, you know, this doesn't actually make sense when you consider the history of the great darkness, are we supposed to infer from that, that, Oh, pariah and his ambitions, like the great darkness reached out and, and touched pariah to, get him to manipulate things in a direction, but Pariah's ambitions kind of fought back and he's, he is the corrupting agent like steering the great darkness. Or is there a third party influencing the great darkness and through it using Pariah for a goal that Pariah is ignorant of? Like, I don't think like, I don't think it has anything to do with parallax. I think that first page thing was just like a little funny reference. Part of me wonders if it's, and I, I, I almost hate bringing it up because I don't know if this is just me with the green lantern bias. Part of me wonders if this is going to be secretly a Necron thing, just because like everything that we talk about with the great darkness is kind of also how Necron was described in blackest night. And you had the lanterns get to Pariah's house by entering the black central battery. Like, is, is that just like a throwaway thing that they could do for the hell of it? Or does it mean something? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think we're supposed to know, but I think the fact that they raise enough questions in this issue, that's what, that's, that's what's the most intriguing thing about this at all. You know, as, as it plays out and you, and you understand. And even even the little soliloquy that Pariah gives before, you know, before the multiverse, the, the new multiverse is created. It's just in, it's interesting by itself. But then you put all these all these little tidbits we get in this issue. And it's, so it's, so it's enough to make. Yeah, it's enough to raise the basic question is, is Pariah in, has Pariah himself corrupted the great darkness? Is Pariah working with some something else that has corrupted the great the great darkness is something that. Has is something going on that Pariah is completely unaware of? That again, he thinks he's the one in charge, and Great Darkness, the Great Darkness thinks it's in control, and there's something else manipulating both of them. And there's enough possibilities you can make a case that because we don't have enough pieces to connect, you know, to put the puzzle together. But the fact that just the it was intriguing enough just to make it seem like, well, you know, this the, the Great Darkness is not really operating like the Great Darkness, so there's got to be something else here. Now again, you're right. It could exactly be well. We already know, you know, it is Pariah who is who is the X factor. We and we've seen enough that it is Pariah. There may not be a curveball coming on that front, but it's kind of odd if, if there wasn't a curveball coming that they would mention that and tell us that then. Because yeah, I mean, I think that no matter what, Pariah Pariah is playing it completely straight. Like he 100% believes that the thing that he is trying to do is the thing that is happening. But like at the end there where he creates a new multiverse, I don't know how real that is or like if like like I think the I think the cliffhanger reveal of this issue is a lie. I I think that whatever he created, it either isn't what he thinks it is or it's the byproduct of the actual thing that the force driving this story actually wanted like yeah oh yeah he wants to create a multiverse 
Yeah, whatever. He can do that because the act of doing that will also do this. And this is the thing that I want, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, just like he just like in the beginning, he talks about, oh, in the issue, he talks about, hey, I guess. Guess what? Which could just be viewed as another shot at Hal. The fact that, hey, you know, your fearless leader basically has helped me out even without realizing it. You know, it's like by doing what he's doing, he's kind of like helped speed up the process of what I'm trying to do. Now, maybe that's exactly true. Or maybe, again, this is Pariah thinking that he's in more control of the situation than he really is, that he thinks he's getting what he wants out of this. But there's something else that has bigger fish to fry. Yeah. as I mean, it's, it's like what we saw last issue where, like, Pariah thinks those globes are worlds, but Hal touched one. He's like, these are, these aren't, these are weapons. These are like a power source. This isn't what you think it is. But Pariah's like, no, 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 I'm fixing everything. Right. Chad. Yeah. I just, um, first of all, like, I hesitate even saying this because I can't necessarily base it too much in reality. I think, I think the great darkness is more potentially more powerful than parallax which is why i would disagree with it being able to corrupt it but then again what we know definitively about the great darkness is still kind of up for grabs like clearly it's always existed so is it this sort of you know nebulous thing that's just always been there and doesn't necessarily lean one way or another until someone grabs the energy and starts pushing one way or the other um, I don't know. It's been a long, long, long ass time since I've uh, read the Great Darkness Saga. Um, so I don't know. But part of me feels like I just the the parallax thing doesn't make sense to me based on how I think about the Great Darkness. But again, I can't back it up. The moments that I enjoyed in here, uh, I every every time Alan talks about Gotham, it just yes. makes me want something. Like just give me. Give me something that's like that period where either Bruce is a kid and he's listening to his dad tell stories about Alan and we get flashbacks or we get interactions between Alan and Thomas or like, I don't, I don't know. Just, I want something in that sort of interim period between Alan being Gotham's hero and, and, and Batman being the the Gotham hero. Uh, And it just makes me want it more and more and more. Chad, Um, have you ever read that, uh, I think three issue run of detective comics about the I got it when Tim killer. Sale passed away. Yeah. Yeah. I got it off eBay when Tim Sale passed away. So I read it recently. Yeah. Like I love like that whole thing is it's a present day story about Alan and Bruce going around solving a mystery together. And it's like rooted in this, like this respect that Bruce has for him because this was like, this was literally his dad's hero. Like yeah. towards, I think towards the end of that story, like we see Bruce looking at like a photo album or whatever of like, of like little kid Thomas Wayne with Alan Scott. Cause he was in like the green lantern fan club or something back then. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I keep thinking about that and like, you know, the possibilities and we don't have to go down this track, but like the possibilities of, what was Gotham like? Did Alan save Gotham? And then after Alan was gone and before Batman rose, it just kind of sunk down into poverty and despair. Like, what was it? What was the fight like in Gotham for Alan? Like, all that stuff. But regardless, um, the other thing I think about here is Mark alluded to the stuff that was released today, which is the cover. Uh, several of the covers for, or I guess all of the covers for um, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven. Um, which we see all about Nightwing all the time. And we get that a lot, obviously, in some of the issues we've already read, including this one. 
I think unless you are either A, already a big Nightwing fan, or B, and assuming if you're A, you're, or you're also B, currently reading the Nightwing series, Nightwing being made the center point of this or, or, or coming up to it is not going to read right to you within the confines of Dark Crisis by itself. If that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, I understand, like, as soon as I saw he was front and center on a cover with the multiverse surrounding him, it immediately clicked what they're doing. Because, like, because this story is focusing so heavily on legacy characters and and their role in the expansive DC universe. And Nightwing is like the story calls out. He was kind of the first legacy character. He was like the first like the first sidekick, the first one to carry on what the adult hero started. And they kind this this main series kind of puts him at the forefront, but it's I don't I'm not sure how to describe it. It feels like the Dark Crisis miniseries spends so much time trying to establish a mood and a tone of its world that it doesn't world build enough. Like it wants you to understand that everything's coming apart at the seams without the Justice League to keep an eye on it, but it hasn't really emphasized the importance of the the characters who carry on the Justice League's legacy when that is supposed to be one of like the core themes of this story. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned the Nightwing series, because look. When I say when I say you're not going to get Nightwing's importance, I don't mean like his cosmic importance or whatever like that. I'm I'm referring to like I'm am I a Dick Grayson fan? Yes, he's not my favorite Robin. That's Tim Drake. But like, uh, you know, I just, you know, casual enjoyer of Nightwing. I fucking love the current Nightwing series. It is at the top of my DC to read pile, if not all of my comics read pile. Every time I get it, and every time I get it, I get the Jamal Campbell cardstock variants because freaking Jamal Campbell kills it every freaking time. But with the with that Nightwing series, I am so over the moon about that series that it it really it really lends to the importance of Nightwing in the DCU, the ties that he has to the other heroes, the way he makes other heroes feel. The way other heroes interact with him, or even villains or whoever, the way people think about Nightwing in the DCU, the way he thinks about himself, who he's coming to be with this fortune that uh, Alfred left him and all this stuff, what he's doing in Bloodhaven, like everything that's happening in that series lends to how great of a person Dick Grayson is. Uh, and I love this series for it. So when I can I can sort of be reading because um, I I'm not fully caught up on Dark Crisis the full event like all the tie-ins and the worlds without a Justice League single issues and all that stuff I need to get caught up um, but I think I can read Dark Crisis enough in a vacuum that where I can see how if Dick's not your one of your favorite characters and you don't already know this about him. And or you're not reading this current Nightwing series, you may not understand or really grasp why we're going so Nightwing heavy here. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the, 
I think this book leaves a lot to other books to fill in without explicitly making it clear that you should be reading those other books. Like an example in here is when the villains attack the uh, Hall of Doom, the, um, they just sort of explode the wall and walk right in and look and Lex is on the ground saying like, Hey, why didn't the alarms go off? Well, I thought we just got these, these f- installed and up and running. And captain cold is like, damn it. That the flash, and they, they just kind of let that pass. But if you're reading the Flash book at the time, it has it, we, you get to see like Wally and uh, and Wallace going on patrol, which for them means circling the Earth a few times. And they come across the Hall of Doom and Wally's like, hey, yeah, no, this is this is a Hall of Doom. Like every now and then somebody tries to build an, another one of these and I just kind of find them. So whenever I come across them, I just go in and disassemble a bunch of stuff and scatter the parts through the swamp just to make life hell for them. And then they so, and it shows him doing that and then they move on. So uh, the reason why the Deathstroke's army gets the drop on the Legion of Doom is because of like a two page aside in an issue of flash that was really funny gotcha and some of the cover reveals for dark crisis number seven just prove why i made uh mark reed world's finest not that, <laughs> not that you knew that you 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 get i called it <laughs> you, you, get, you get a you get you get a slight you get a slight pass on the relevance but it doesn't change that the story was was crap but yes it looks Timing wise, yes, it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be a a smart plan. That uh, assuming that again, the covers really have are not misleading for the, what happens in the story. But, Mark's wrong. That the world's finest is a really fun book. Agreed. Not that, not that hard. Two against one. <laughs> Silver Age goofiness is great. I I really want that. I really want that uh, Sampray or however you say his name. Uh, uh, Nightwing cover for number seven, but it's a it's a one in one hundred foil stock variant. So. Yep, <laughs> not getting that. Uh, but back to back to the issue at hand. Um, yeah, I, look, I enjoyed it, but like I said uh, at the very beginning, it's 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 very much to me, you know, middle issue summer event. We get some information, some action, but uh, it's really it's just a staging ground issue, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's still very firmly in the uh, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of mode. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what I should believe about the story, but not in an interesting way. More in a, uh, OK, is next issue going to be where we just lay it all out and get to the good stuff? Or is it are we going to keep, I guess, spinning our wheels? But like, I don't, like we're spinning our wheels, but we're getting a lot of like fun moments. Like I love at the beginning of this how uh, Barry comments that about how like he always carries Hal. Like 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 Hal doesn't have his ring. He's like, oh, I guess you have to carry me to where we're going. And Barry says something like, I mean, one way or the other, I'm always sort of carrying you, right? <laughs> I love that. I love like let's like have these old friends like jab at each other no matter how serious the situation gets for sure uh i i I enjoyed it the art still the art still uh, is i think pretty damn good um i do i do like lex's little sort of monologue to deathstroke there about you're just a hired gun 
I've never really personally been drawn to Deathstroke as a character or a villain or anything. Yeah. Probably the, the only time I've liked him the most is probably an arrow. But I would go with the Teen Titans cartoon, but that might be due to, I think Ron Perlman voiced him. So that mm. probably went a long way. Oh, cool. Um, it strikes me that the, the smartest person in this story so far is Gorilla Grodd because he's just like, they're trying to figure out, okay, who do we fight and when do we fight them? And Grodd's just like, like, we do nothing. They're going to kill each other. And whoever's left standing is going to be all tired and weak. And then we kill them and then we win. And yeah, they, they probably should have just done that. (laughs) But then their party got interrupted. So that that option went out the window. Yeah. Let's see. I have a couple more things. Like, I like, as they're going down into the basement, Alan references the star heart is feeling kind of off, just like Jade did during her Infinite Frontier story. Uh, that and the the whole Justice League Dark thing is probably going to get picked up in October because there's a Dark Crisis one shot called the Dead the Deadly Green, and the premise of that I believe is they're going to use like. Alan's connection to the Starheart or whatever to go inside his ring and make contact with the Great Darkness, which I is magic. I don't know how it makes sense, but it sounds fun. And uh, actually, there's another one shot they just announced called Dark Crisis Big Bang Number One, which is like it's kind of taking a tour of Pariah's new multiverse, and it specifically calls out realities based on some of their like else their recent elseworld-esque miniseries it's like jurassic league dc mech and dark knights of steel even batman 89 so like we're getting the michael keaton movies in the in the dc continuity at least for a little while during this event so that means we have to read jurassic league right have to yes I haven't read Jurassic League or DC Mech yet, but I really want to because those seem like they're so much fun. I read the first issue. But Mark hates Mark hates fun though, so maybe he won't like. <laughs> he hates cake and puppies. We we covered this. I I, I just I just hate, hate Chad's choices lately. That's all. <laughs> God, during the one panel where we or the two I think two or three panels where we see Kyle and Joe fighting shadow demons, like Kyle is punching these shadows basically saying man pariah when hal gets back here he's gonna kick your ass and i'm th- sitting there reading it thinking no kyle you do it you're there just do it and call the damn core <laughs> well they can't because they got sucked into the power battery they're right outside god damn it <laughs> oh god send the text uh, send the text the only other note i have for this issue and i don't know even what to think about this because it feels like the most like oh by the way kind of retcon uh did lex Luthor just retcon out the concept of the omniverse because like what did he say what was the word because like they're talking to black adam and and uh he's lex is talking about how like oh you know his time working with the totality is like exposed him to the truths and lies of the multiverse including uh, let's see, he says the idea of the omniverse was false it created an imbalance in our multiverse which i believe pariah has been manipulating like i like on some level it's like a 
it's like the same conversation we had about the number of Green Lanterns in the core. Like whether you have 7,200 of them or 200 of them, it kind of doesn't matter because you're never going to see that many on a page. So whatever, it's functionally the same. Like I don't know why you would expand out to an infinite omniverse made of multiple multiverses only to contract it to an also infinite multiverse like it's it's all just stories about random new worlds so why not leave it the the bigger one like that doesn't make any sense to me and i also i don't understand how the stories told in the justice doom war and death metal can even work as stories without the omniverse being real. Yeah, I don't know. Good to know Infinite Frontier is going to mean so much. It's Joshua Williamson, so he's going to make his own stuff mean a lot. Well, we know Infinite Frontier as a thing pretty much ends when this when this ends. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So I never really thought Infinite Frontier was really... It didn't really resonate with me. It didn't really sound like it was going to make a lot of sense or what what was what was the real point of making the huge differentiation between this version of the multiverse and the previous version when it's still just multiple universes, just more of them. Infinite. We have it's, it's even more worlds now, except Alan Scott's gay and all of them. But the re- uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel I feel like. Both Infinite Frontier and like Justice League Incarnate, like there was some cool stuff that happened in all of those, but like they almost like a Robert Venditti esque type story. It's just like some of that was cool, but it they all kind of ended on a whimper, didn't they? For the most part, but but this whole infinite, but the whole you know the Infinite Frontier thing is just that that was what this whole initiative basically was supposed to be in the new this new era of DC, which ended up lasting for what like it'll be like two years max before we roll into the dawn of DCU, which probably won't even last a year before it's something else again, too. So, yeah. Well, I, I have to wonder how much of that was out of their control since, since uh they've, they've been, they've been bought and sold by, by different parent companies twice in a very short amount of time, which comes with like lots of uh, new demands from new bosses who have no idea about their business. So I don't know. I'm not saying all the blame is off of their shoulders, but I don't think it's as simple as, oh man, these comic people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. There's a pretty good track record that they don't know what they're doing on their own, considering they they haven't been doing a good job for a long time overall. But I, 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 but all kidding aside, I do get what you're, I do get what you're saying. There could have been more of a direct edict that, hey, hey, kind of, which would be interesting if, if there, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll know if that's the case. If it really is where it's like, hey, this all, all this 5G moving us away from all the, all the heroes, all the silver, all the silver in modern age heroes. It's like, let's move them away and bring all the five, you know, the next gen heroes on the board just to now we're going to go back and, go back and focus in on the classic heroes again then yeah probably you you would say that that the odds are very strong that that would be from higher up saying hey well we don't like where you're going and the sales don't indicate people like where you're going so stop it (laughs) i mean case i mean case in point how do you end up with batman books making up more than 50 percent of your entire publishing catalog 
it it makes sense in, as a move suggested by some executive who doesn't understand anything about comics or publishing in general but knows that Batman is the biggest thing in the world and hey we own Batman do more of it do way more of it that'll sell if it sells a little it'll sell forever a lot like in those exact words eh, I don't know I don't know if I I would I see where you're going with it I would tend to think that's more I would be more willing to believe that I'm hesitant because the point you're making is valid. If you had no idea what about the about anything other than hey, Batman sells, it's Batman. But but then again, the bat, a lot of the Batman stuff they're doing now isn't particular, isn't all, all all of it isn't selling particularly well either, or the Superman stuff. So it has to do with the direction of the books. Yeah, I, but like that's that's some, something that you know if you under if you make or read comics. But if you're just somebody new who's come in to head a parent company of a company that makes this stuff, then all you care about is making big, taking big swings to make yourself look good because if it works out and it was your idea, then that's all on you. I mean, I do, I do get where you're coming from and I think there could be some of that, but I think if you just, as Chad has talked about multiple times uh, over the years that this, this has been, this is kind of what DC has been doing all along. It's like, it's like they can from the, even from, it just seems like from an editorial perspective, they can never publish enough Batman books, period. So I don't necessarily think that this this alone proves that, hey, you know, the corporate overlord said, hey, we don't again, the suits we don't know what they're doing. And that's the reason why there's like, hey, let's make more and more. It could have some influence. It could. It could be saying, hey, if we're going to publish, if we're going to publish a certain number of books, we know these books are more likely to sell than these books. So, yeah, absolutely. There could be some influence on that. But I don't think. I think we've been trending in this direction for a long time. It's like to publish. It's like it's like in its and it, it still exists to a certain extent, but in its heyday, it's like could could Marvel publish any more X Men books? It's like let's just do it. I mean, because it's like when something's hot, they'll 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 milk it to death. So. And speaking of off kilter business decisions and milking something to death, hooray! <laughs> You're part of the problem now. So when last we reconvened or convened, I've reconvened too. That uh, we were talking about the the Funko Pop digital NFT drop, which was impending, which had a, f- a few ones that we were we were interested in. Uh, first and foremost, of course, was Parallax, the Hal Jordan Parallax Pop, which was perfect. <laughs> in theory, we have it, until you see one in front of you, it's like prototype, and it comes out this, this horrible looking thing. So that dropped about a, a little over a week ago now. This experience was a little different than the one that happened in it was April, right, Dan? That was the first one. Oh, I don't remember. I, the, probably it was a few months back. Only because I think you were the one that said the date last time. <laughs> That's the reason I prefaced you because I thought you <laughs> you were the one who pointed out that it was April last time. Probably, probably. <laughs> Either way, I was I don't know something somewhere like around twenty minutes before this thing was supposed to go on sale. I, I brought up the website. And I don't remember this happening the first time back in the spring. Maybe it did and I got in too late. Or maybe, again, this, they streamlined the system a little bit. Around 148, they basically, because I was I didn't notice it to like 150 because I, wasn't, I didn't, wasn't paying attention to that window. And it didn't make any sound that they basically gave you the opportunity to go essentially into a waiting room to continue your countdown. It was like, so it was like a, a waiting queue, a virtual waiting room. So as soon as you hit 2 o'clock Eastern, it was going to take you into the actual the full queue where 
it would hold your place. You'd get a place in line and then the countdown would begin. So I didn't notice that the first time around, but it did. But it worked this. But it did do that this time. So I, I wasn't really expecting to get a shot at anything. But, I you know, it's like it's like when Jim and I used to do the Comic-Con tickets. It's like sometimes it, you actually get in to buy tickets and sometimes it's just an endless loop. But I, I wanted to see what the process was. So I got in. At first, it didn't seem very promising because like the first number they gave me was like around 51 minutes approximate wait till I would have a chance to buy something. And it actually went up to like 53. But then it started dropping steadily. And unlike what happened like six months ago, it continued to drop steadily. It wasn't where, where you like they tease you and then all of a sudden they add 20 minutes to your wait time. No, it continued to drop and drop and drop about 10 or 15 minutes into the process. I think it was like 10 that's when they started giving you the updates on the screen of like how many packs were still available, the standard five packs and of the deluxe packs or whatever, the ones that are 15 card packs were available. And it kept counting down and counting down. And it became pretty clear as we were wind, as time was winding down that I was going to have a shot to get something because I mean, the standard packs were going pretty quickly. They were gone, I think with like three minutes left, but I think there were like over 14,000 deluxe packs left so i got i got in and the interesting thing is which you have to give them credit for they limit the amount of money you can spend the amount of money you can spend on packs at one time you could only spend like 60 dollars at one time because when i went in even though technically they had told me that the standard packs were gone maybe because it was just a percentage thing once you drop below a certain number of certain number of left they'll still register as having like zero percent even though technically you have a couple or they were in somebody's cart and they got freed up. There were like nine standard packs left when I got in. And I added in two of the deluxe packs. And I said, oh, I'm here. What the hell? Let me throw in a standard pack. Go for broke. But it wouldn't let me do it because I said you maxed out. So 60 was the total. I bought I bought the packs. And it's, it's an interesting experience. I, of course, the way things turned out in this, I wish I hadn't bought anything because we didn't really need to to get what we wanted because for some strange reason, maybe because the quantity of these, maybe because it's so early, maybe because the quantities are greater in these, uh, dig- the digital redeemable Funkos, but they were pretty cheap. Even on eBay, they were cheap compared to what the Kyle, what the Kyle eradicator wave was. But I, but when the packs I bought, the, the only, I did get one redeemable one. I did get, was it that earth? Was that earth 23 Superman chat? Is that uh, Calvin? Yeah, Calvin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, President, President Superman. President Superman. So that is the redeemable Funko that I got, which wasn't bad for two packs. Jim has a Jim actually had forgotten that that was the drop date, but we were talking, and because the countdown, because the countdown of packs was still so plentiful, he got in, and he ended up, and he, and I, I don't know how much he spent. I don't know if he got two packs or just got one, but either way, he ended up getting Connor. He got the Connor Hawk redeemable one. And then afterwards, we were looking at the the what the Atomic Hub site, and you found Par- and Parallax was like dirt cheap. Even today, Parallax is dirt cheap. It's just it's a as Chad will attest to, and Jim could attest to better because he's the one who went, who went through the process too. Just trying to set set up b- based on currency and setting up the ability to actually buy something because it's not like you can just use a credit card. It's not like you can just hook your PayPal account to this. It's a conversion. It's digital. It's I think Jim used like I think Jim used crypto or something. Either way, God. it's a. I know. Trust me, it was a pain. The whole process to try to use to buy an Atomic Hub 
is the worst part of this. Nothing, nothing to do with buying, getting the packs on drop. Yeah. But, so, okay. so basically in order to even house the NFTs, you have to have a drop account. Those are free and it's drop with three P's, but you can pay for like $5 or whatever for your personal address on drop, whatever. Then to see the NFT and trade them back and forth, you have to have an account on Atomic Hub. If you want to buy them from somebody, it's also going to be through Atomic Hub. In order to buy them on Atomic Hub, you have to have one of three accepted crypto account things. Once you set that up, the one I chose was like, if you want to fund your wallet, you have to have a Coinbase account. And the Coinbase is what you would connect to your method of payment in order to get crypt, you know, funds and stuff to buy all this, whatever. I bank with University Federal Credit Union, UFCU, not an accepted vendor. Uh, PayPal, not an accepted option. Cash App, Venmo, not an accepted option. So basically, in order to do all of this, house the NFT, buy the NFTs if you want them, have the funds to buy the NFTs, you basically have to create four different accounts. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Bless, more you, you, guys. bless, bless you, Jim Ford, for doing it. <laughs> Yes, uh, because I couldn't do it. Uh, as Mark said, the parallax was going for dirt cheap. Today, I Venmo gem some cash. It's like twenty six bucks or whatever. I Venmo him some cash so that he could do it through his account that he already had set up, so that he could buy the NFT redeemable NFT for me and transfer it to my drop account. And Jim did the same for me last week, and I. See, I, I just wish I had done this first. But again, you don't know how this thing is going to go, how these things are going to play out, but. I got I've got one on eBay before before Jim entered into the crypto <laughs> the crypto stage of this. I got one for relatively cheap on eBay, which was and I and the description was perfect because it was just one of those where all you had to do once once you purchased it, you just you just gave the seller your your drop ID and they just did the same thing that Jim did for us. They basically just as soon as they as soon as you pay for it, you give them your drop ID, they go in, they transfer you that that re- that redeemable uh card that eventually will be a token that will turn in in january so getting parallax finding parallax is available and, and and for a good price wasn't the issue the issue is yes is trying to pay through atomic hub, atomic hub is for is a just just a joke but it is interesting that i find it interesting that so many of these are cheaper than even on ebay when you look they're so much cheaper than what the when Kyle and the Eradicator was, and I don't know if that's entirely because the production run was higher on these, or just because again people were, were less willing to go through, and maybe they got burned the first time. And it's they because they're it's because they're NFTs. Because I can all but guarantee that once these physical pops start shipping and are in people's hands, that's when you'll see the price go get jacked up on eBay. Well, right, but we've seen, but, but even before that, we saw what the prices were yeah. for for Kyle and for the Eradicator. So the point is, even now, yeah, you might find one of these things listed for a ridiculously high price on eBay. But like the night that these things dropped, it's like you could have gotten you could have gotten a Parallax for like eighty something bucks on eBay or a Connor for eighty something bucks. True, true. But what I think, I think it's I think it's a combination of more more um, available, um, more available, and the novelty's worn off. That's what I mean. That, that yeah, that, that that's the, that's 
that's where I was going. That it's hard to judge how much of this is because the NFT is wearing off and because people got burned the first time and and when the first wave of these came out and the combining of the fact that yes, like other than like Azrael Batman, that the majority of these had what a 40, but the 40, 4250, 4250 run on most yeah, of these. I think so. That 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 was much better than the Kyle and the and the and the Erat and the Eradicator run. So that is what, but the good news is, yeah, so if you, if you would like one of these that you can get, you can definitely find one, even on eBay, you probably can still find one for an, for an affordable price. But yeah, if I'm going to get rid of, I think if I'm going to get rid of President Superman, yeah, I'll wait till I have the physical pop and then just sell the pop. Dan likes President Superman. He is very good. Yeah, it was pretty, <sighs> it was pretty cool. I mean, obviously I wish I'd gotten... I wish I'd gotten Parallax just because it would have made life so much easier. But yeah, I don't know which one. I mean, obviously in a dream, you would like the Azrael Batman one. But I mean, of, of the ones that were of the ones that were realistic, I guess President Superman pretty much was probably the next best one for me. I know I know uh, Chad would have preferred Connor. But yeah, I def- uh, there's there were there were two from this wave I wanted. It was Parallax and Connor. Mark fed the beast, y'all. I didn't. Well, to a lesser extent. I don't know if Funko. I wonder if Funko gets a a cut of the NFT sales on the secondhand market, like through uh, Atomica. I doubt it. Yeah. But, but I did find, I did find, I I thought it was interesting in a positive way that they, which makes, which actually makes sense that they do limit how much you could buy at least at one time. You know, I thought I hated this when I found out that the NFT promotion was happening at all, but the more you guys talk about it, the worse it gets. Like to that point, like even when there's a silver lining to it, it's rooted in a different frustration because it's like (laughs) it's like, yeah, is it is it a good thing that they limit you to what, $60 or something per per whatever? Like, yeah, that's a level of restraint I didn't expect. But at the same time, it's embracing the notion of scarcity of a infinitely repeatable digital thing that shouldn't be scarce at all like okay you don't that you just don't have the the super special cards show up in those packs but like there's no actual limit to the pack like god i just can't stand it like every everything about this entire process on every level is a fucking scam like crypt crypto is a pyramid scheme nfts are a market that are already in the toilet and like all of it is just like a like a massive mountain of bullshit that no one should ever ever even consider trying to climb. Like, was this worth it? No, you guys it, did this. Was this worth it? It, it wasn't. My answer would be it. What based on the way things played out, though, you would never again. That's 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 why like as Oscar said to Felix in the Odd Couple in that great episode is like. No, there's no such thing as a sure thing. That's why they call it gambling. <laughs> that because it's it, you had to gamble. You didn't know. If knowing what you know now, would I have bothered to even buy any of the packs, knowing that literally for what I spent on getting those two packs, I could have gotten two parallaxes just and basically the secondhand market through Atomic Hub. No, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't have done that. So I kind of regret. I would kind of regret that. But then again, if Jim didn't, if Jim wasn't able to and wasn't willing to go through the the nightmare of setting up an account that would be viable, so to purchase things on Atomic Hub, 
then we'd be down to eBay as an as an option. And, and again, you can make a case. You could make a case getting one on eBay eBay for a decent price is is still not it's close enough. And because I got President Superman, it's easier to say, well, you know, I potentially can just turn him around and make up and more than make up for the money potentially that I spent on on the packs. And mind you, one thing I didn't mention about this is that when they did the first drop of this back in April, it was all the packs were gone before three o'clock in the afternoon. Started at two Eastern before three o'clock. It was sold out, which which is why I never got a chance to buy anything. These things were still available like at five o'clock at Eastern time because I went back in. I went back in at five o'clock. And well, you, you know see. why? You know why they didn't sell out, right? I mean, they did, but not so fast. But go ahead. Yes. Well, it was because because they saw Parallax didn't have those uh those pearly whites. <laughs> Thank God. If there Thank was some God. teeth. If they if Parallax had a big toothy grin and was holding like a toothbrush in one hand and a construct toothpaste in the other. Those like they would have been just gone. No. <laughs> but, you know, yes, I agree. The overall, the experience wasn't as horrible as I expected, in all honesty. But, yes, would I would I have wasted the time to go through? It's, it's not, I mean, I don't mind going through the process, but as far as what I actually have pulled the trigger. Now, mind you, I have some for what they're worth, which is nothing that some, some of the digital cards are kind of cool because I got like I got like. Some of the the Alan Scotts I got were cool and, and black hand and things like that. But yeah, w- would I have done it overall? No, I would have just waited. I would have just waited. But I but you didn't know because you know the Eradicator is as an example is still a pain in the ass to get. Kyle isn't bad at all. Even now, Kyle isn't bad at. If I really wanted a Kyle, I could I could have gotten a Kyle on Atomic Hub pr- pretty pretty cheap. So you don't you just didn't didn't know it was a crapshoot. So that's why for me, well I, yes I. If I wasn't parallax, I wouldn't have done it. But it was it was worth rolling the dice just to see if you could get something. And considering, I mean, the number of packs that Jim and I bought, consider that we both ended up getting one of those, you know, redeemable ones. You know, we did fairly well odds wise, considering. Speaking of Funko, I should probably pull that information up. Uh wanted to get that information out there. There are more Funkos to be had out there for everybody if you are looking. Uh, New York Comic Con is coming up upon us very, very soon. I believe it is October 6th through the 9th, I think, is the are the days, if I remember that right. I believe so, yes. Uh, and there will be two Funko-related items that have uh, lantern-based uh, stuff in it. So we have a soda figure. That's the ones that come in the aluminum can. Those are going to be um, uh, a John Stewart uh, soda figure. There's a regular one that's just John Stewart with his ring, and then we have a uh, another one that has a battery, the ring, and then I think some energy coming off the ring, if I remember that right. Yeah, glow. He glows in the dark, doesn't he? Yes, and it glows in the dark. So that will be a shared exclusive with GameStop. I think some people have a hard time understanding what shared exclusive means. Uh, at least they do over on Twitter, because I always get this question every time this happens. There will be John Stewart's at New York Comic Con, but you can also get them through GameStop while New York Comic Con is ongoing. The only difference in the item is being the sticker that's on them. They're both in New York Comic Con exclusives, but some will say con exclusive and some will say shared exclusive or whatever. 
Don't buy into the hype, guys. The sticker doesn't mean shit. Just to clarify, so are so the only time that say the John Stewart will be available at GameStop will be during the weekend of New York Comic Con. No, no, no. Well, no. that's when it'll be put in stock. However many okay. are there, you know, it'll remain there until it sells out. Yeah. Okay. All right. The there will be a Star Sapphire Carol Ferris Funko Pop. This is the Woo! regular Funko Pops that are in a box. Uh, that is a shared exclusive with Entertainment Earth. Uh, Entertainment Earth is a website, guys, so you will have to be on their website and order, pre-order that when it comes uh, live on their website. Uh, I think the Carol Ferris one looks awesome. It looks like her costume as it was during the New Guardians run with the black uh, in it. And it's got like a like a tr- energy trail kind of giving her a flight path. It does. And I think it's pretty friggin' cool looking. So... Uh, personally, I'm going to get both. Um, I will, I, I cannot speculate about, uh, limits. I'm fairly certain GameStop puts limits on things because any drop, they do that. So for instance, GameStop will sometimes get like Pokemon cards and things like that. Like the new sets. If you wait outside and try and get some of those, they're not going to let you just buy a whole bunch of them. They limit everybody, everything, but no, who knows what the limit will be. So anticipate that. Um, will probably it be one, on GameStop's probably one or one or two though. Yeah. Based on well, looking at the way sodas usually are limited, where you buy buy them, period, it's probably going to be one or two max. It'll most likely be on GameStop's website. Don't know for sure, but most likely. Um, and uh, so you can also go there instead of having to wait outside your local GameStop. The only problem I would say there is be wary of GameStop shipping, but these are soda figures in aluminum cans, <laughs> not the Funko Pops in the cardboard boxes. So I think you're relatively safe and don't have to worry about shipping from GameStop on this one. You know, the soda figures of Green Lantern characters, I mean, this, this is only the second one they've done, but they look really good. Like, I really hope they keep that line going. This, this is the third, third one. one. Oh, there's like there. I know Larflees. there was Hal. Larflees. Oh, they did Larflees. Yeah, That's they right. did Larflees. I forgot. But you were correct. They are. They are. They are very good. And I do like the fact, even though I can't complain about the Hal variant, not just just because I have it, but because I <laughs> because it looks good. But it is interesting that now with Larflees and John Stewart, it is the Chase figure is an entire is a different figure as opposed to the Hal, which which was just repainted. Mm-hmm. Like the vision, like the, I, the vision of uh, sodas pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. So there's, you can have white, you could have white vision as the chase or the normal vision, but the figure is the same. It's just the paint job is different. At least with John Stewart and Laura Fleas, they both, the, they, the chases both come with the, the, the batteries and they both glow in the dark, which, so that's, that's, but they do look cool. I, I think I'm, so, I'm starting to appreciate those figures more. Yeah. It's like the art style of these figures like fits these characters really well yeah the only other soda figure i own is actually a uh, underdog one Be- oh, that's um, right. i have the underdog funko pop too but uh and it, it's uh, of course anything that's a regular funko pop because of the big ass head doesn't look like it stepped out of whatever it's adapted from yeah but the soda figure looks exactly like you ripped underdog straight out of the the animation yeah. So uh, unfortunately, I never got its chase, which is a uh, shoe shine boy. But uh, maybe someday prices will come down on that. <laughs> and I pre-ordered the Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan pop. Yeah. So is you, that the 
Is that the one, or is it a soda figure where the chase variant is him as a force ghost? Yes. Yep. Yep. It's it's it's, it's cool. Classic episode four Obi Wan, and yeah, the, the the chase is force ghost Obi Wan. So that was worth to me rolling the dice and doing the two ordering the two limit that you can pre order on Big Bad. I did that. So and try to cool. keep my streak alive since that's the, the, that's <laughs> the that's the two I the order of two that I got the uh, Hal Jordan the White Lantern Hal Jordan from. Nice. And, uh, oh. and before we uh, turn Dan loose to talk uh, talk about uh, his upcoming projects, uh, since we're on the subject of figures, I wanted to give a good quick shout out here to Russell Clark, who is the guy that does all of those, uh, you know, uh, Green Lantern posts over on Twitter about the stuff that came out that day, the day to day posts uh, and tags us all. Uh, Russell sent me a very uh, a belated birthday gift. Uh, he didn't tell me what it was. He just asked for my address, so I gave it to him, and uh, it arrived a few days ago. And I opened it, and it is the Jessica Cruz DC Multiverse figure. Nice. Nice. So I finally have that, and that was awesome uh, and really generous of him. If you look on the aftermarket, how much this freaking figure is going for. So. Thank you, Russell. That was completely unnecessary, but I I really appreciate it because it looks damn good on my wall next to Kyle. <laughs> do cool. we do we sing Happy Birthday to Chad again? No, <laughs> no, it's, it's King September. My birthday is in April. <laughs> but cool, uh, Dan. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Well, I know you st- you actually recently stopped doing the uh, the the monthly recaps, right? Yeah, it was it was getting to be too much, especially after maintaining a weekly upload schedule for 17 weeks (laughs) and uh i just needed to get away from any sort of fixed schedule and just sort of let myself recharge while i work on projects slower um and you didn't say it on on that app on that uh on that uh video but i mean in a way too you you come on here relatively regularly to talk other things too so you you kind of get it (laughs) in a way yeah 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 I mean, it's it's I go off. I definitely go off on more tangents with you guys. So I probably cover like a broader spectrum of topics than I otherwise would, too. So that's good. Like, hopefully people are continuing to follow me over here. (laughs) But uh, what's coming up? What's coming up? The next thing that I'm working on right now is is the, uh, I believe, fourth question and answer video where like a lot of people had a lot of questions so it's taken a little while and it's gonna be a long one but it's star trek away team yeah that's in there shut up you'll get it (laughs) (laughs) but in the meantime you know i just posted a pair of red lantern videos that i'm very proud of one talking about the charles soul red lanterns run and the another focusing on the entire new 52 supergirl series that led up to her becoming a Red Lantern and seeing how that experience changed basically the way she has decided to live her life afterwards. And I, I don't know, I, everything that touched the Red Lanterns in that span of time is really interesting. And I keep going back to it in my head. So the fact that I finally got those videos done and out was just like um, it's just a massively good feeling to hit publish on both of those. And so far, people seem to like it. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you've heard me or Chad talk about how much we love that series, that Red Lanterns run with Guy joining the team and all that stuff, you know, 
take a trip down memory lane and uh, watch that video and let me know your feelings about that run of Red Lanterns, that group of characters who the more I think about them, you know, Guy and his little group there, his little biker gang of of Red Lanterns is one of my favorite groups in all of Green Lantern. And more people should read that run to find out why. So, yeah, so go on over to YouTube.com slash C slash Mosaic Comics and, you know, just chill out and have fun loving Green Lantern and occasionally other things. You didn't give the Peter Milligan run enough shit. I know. And I, I, I thought, I thought about it, but I'm like, it's, nah. it's not your brand. I know, but whatever. <laughs> plus like, plus like one of the, one of the people in the comment, like I did mention how I didn't like the Peter Milligan run in the comments. And then the next comment was like, Oh, that, that's where I started reading. I liked it. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Every uh, every comic is somebody's first. It is. It, as long hey, as long as it gets your foot in the door and makes you interested enough to keep <laughs> going, it's a good thing. But I question your sanity if it was Peter Milligan's Red Lanterns. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Dan. We really appreciate it. Nice. Yeah, you know, it's a nice, nice operation you guys got here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pulled it up. Uh there's a website called Podvine. Um and it's I occasionally, you know, get requests to host our stuff on different platforms our stuff is already over there but i finally like claimed our podcast like you can create an account and then claim what podcast is yours and all that stuff by i guess it sends a code to the email associated to the podcast on file or whatever so i finally created an account for for myself and claimed like creative credit which just had an episode by the way um but also claimed the lantern cast as of right now, not including this episode, we have 592 hours, or sorry, 592 episodes. The average episode length is one hour and 31 minutes. And the total podcast duration, if you were to listen from episode zero to the most recent episode up, which I believe is Swamp Thing, you would spend 907 hours and seven minutes listening to the Lantern cast. That sounds about right. <laughs> And if we edited out chat out of that, <laughs> 20 hours top. <laughs> God, remember when you used to just re-listen to the entire thing yeah. from the very beginning yeah. over and over again? <laughs> I've been playing with doing that again, but no, thanks. I don't have such a job where like I can just tune out my mind. And yeah, I, anytime I listen to somebody talk about something, I have to listen to what's being said. So I have to listen to like music or something while i'm working well you know chad episode episode 500 is getting kind of (laughs) close and wouldn't it be nice to have like an all-encompassing montage clip show of just everything from the last 500 episodes Uh... no thank you Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Good night, everybody. Oh, okay, bye. Hey, <laughs> hey Mark. Hey, Mark. Where can people contact <laughs> yeah, us? Oh, <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. Uh, lanterncast at gmail.com and the website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to track us down. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you've listened to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.